Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Understanding your senses helps us understand how your body interacts with the world. Now, your sense of touch, your sense of temperature, these are things that we're only now starting to understand in more detail, hence the Nobel Prize in 2021 for this. But knowing this actually enables researchers to make more interesting discoveries on the way in which the senses of touch and temperature play out across our nervous system. Now back in 2021, David Julius and Ardhan Patapushan won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery of the receptors for temperature and for touch. Now, one of the reasons why this won the Nobel Prize is because, well, we understood how the information went from our fingertips, our body, all the way up to our brain and was processed. We understood that the transmission of that information, but we didn't understand how it was actually detected. The mechanism used to turn the information about the world around us into something that we could sense. We understood the transmission network, the cabling, but we didn't understand the sensor itself. And so the work that Julius and Patapushan did to actually outline this was pretty phenomenal. They discovered a bunch of novel ion channels and they relate to the sensing of cold specifically, TRPM8, and then also following that to relating to touch, PIZO1 and PIZO2. Now, these are all really important sensors that help our body understand how the world is around us through the sensation of cold, which, by the way, is different to the sensation of hot, even though they exist on the same continuum, and as well as the sensation of light touch. Not pressure forced directly, but rather the lightest of sensations of brushing against something. Now, why is that important and why is that significant is hard to initially get your head around, but it is incredibly significant for understanding our model of the world. Light touch is actually incredibly useful for a concept known as proprioception. Now, proprioception, which relies on this PISO2 mechanism, this light touch, is often known to researchers as the body's sixth sense. It's our idea of where our bodies are in three-dimensional space. Just close your eyes while you're listening to this and try and reach out and find something that you know is in front of you. Maybe something on your desk or on your chair, or on your lap. Try and reach out and grab that. And you'll eventually try and find it and make your way and actually localize it. But what you do when you're actually doing that step of trying to find something that you know is there and feeling around for it, what you're relying on there is actually this receptor, PIZO2. It's helping you, with this light touch, actually build that model in your head through feedback. Without that feedback sensor, you couldn't build that mental model of the world. If you take somebody who doesn't have this receptor, doesn't have this ability to actually build this mental model because they don't have PIZO2, well, they will feel lost when they close their eyes. When they don't get the feedback from their visual system, they don't know what's out there. But if you do have a working sense of soft touch like this, you can navigate even with your eyes closed in that way. So PIZO2 
and the detection of soft touch is incredibly important, as is the temptation of cold. And that's why Julius Patapushin won the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine way back in 2021. That's a pretty significant discovery in and of itself. But now that outlined a mechanism, something that exists that researchers can dive into. And yes, to be fair, it has been around since the 2010s when they started publishing papers on this out of their lab work. But now, a recent paper published in the journal Neuron by researchers Professor Hong Sen Hu from Washington University and Professor Nick Spencer from Flinders University here in South Australia have been investigating PISO2. Because now we know what it is and know in detail, you can start to look for this receptor and find it in all kinds of strange places. And that's exactly what the team led by Hong Sen Hu and Nick Spencer looked at. They saw it in the most unlikely of places, inside an individual organ. Now, researchers had seen the presence of PISO2 before in various organs, but where they found it was by examining the colon, the gut. So inside of your gut, there's actually a sensation or ability to detect light touch. Now, that's not meant for you to be using your colon to try and detect things as with your stomach. That's not the intention there. But it's because it's one of the ways our bodies use this same mechanism to understand what's happening inside of them. And pain inside of an organ, chronic pain from an internal organ, whether that's the gut, the bladder, it's all very, very significant and problematic for someone who suffers from it. IBSs or Crohn's disease are examples of these kind of conditions. Now, they're really difficult to treat because you're trying to stop pain coming in and often doctors actually rely on prescribing all kinds of opiate pain medications. And that's not great because opiates, including morphine and derivatives, they have really bad side effects and can lead to all kinds of addictive properties. So side effects, bad, especially for the gut, and also addictive properties, also bad. So researchers have been long trying to find ways to develop selective pain treatment. And researchers have dived into this topic for a long time, trying to figure out ways to develop better treatments for pain. So with that in mind, that's why the researchers were poking around looking for receptors in the gut. They were looking to try and see what other ion channels are available there to bring messages about pain from the gut all the way up to the brain. But what they saw was the discovery of this newly outlined receptor PISO2 for this soft touch, also there as well. And this is really interesting because it means that there's all kinds of strange receptors discovered in the gut. And not only that, the PISO ion channel, specifically PISO2, that's actually the main driving mechanism for transmitting pain mechanisms from the organ all the way back to the neural system. Now, this is, seems strange, but makes a lot of sense because PISO2, this mechanical stretching or, or application of force being related to sensing of pain, makes a lot of sense for a stomach, for example, to have that. It's trying to detect the movements of things in and around it. And so it relies on PISO2 for transmission of that force and to pass it along. It's not like you have a hard pressure expected inside your stomach, but light movement, absolutely. Now, Knowing that PISO2 is the main receptor bringing pain signals back to the brain, and that's really, really important for researchers who want to make better targeted medicines to treat conditions like IBS, endometriosis, abdominal cancers, without relying on opioids, because they can target this particular receptor instead. And this is some great research published in the journal Neuron 
that outlines how a Nobel Prize can make its way from the lofty award stage right down to helping people in the day-to-day -day life struggling with chronic conditions without having to rely on complicated and dangerous medications. The use of this soft-touch neuron to transmit pain Knowing that fact and knowing how that mechanism works means that researchers can now target that for better therapeutic treatments. Our lead author in this paper was Zaili Zi, along with a lot of other collaborators from both Washington University and Flinders University. Now, the Nobel Prize in 2021 by Julius and Patapushin also involved the initial detection and work together to discover how temperature, specifically how cold, was felt and sensed. And that's because temperature is an incredibly important thing for the body, and the detection of that receptor was part of the initial breakthrough that enabled then Patapushin to go on later to discover other mechanisms for detecting light touch. But temperature itself is still incredibly important for our bodies. You know, you know that, you know, if you have a fever, that's when your temperature control goes out of whack, and that's because your body is working hard to fight against an infection. But your brain and your body has to be controlling the temperature, not letting you get too hot or too cold. And in humans and many other mammals, it is controlled precisely to be really around 37 degrees. It's not exactly the same for every human, and it's not exactly the same throughout the day. It's a controlled mechanism. But how exactly that's controlled by your brain hasn't really been well understood. So researchers from Nagoya University in Japan have been studying the neurons in the brain to try and find exactly how certain regions of the brain manage to regulate body temperature in mammals. This is important for a number of reasons because, well, it's so important not just for ourselves, but also many other mammals. Now, the lead author in this paper was Yoshiko Nakamura, along with a brother collaborators from Nagoya University. Now, when your body gets beyond its normal home temperature range, around 37, things start to go wrong. Now, you can get body temperature getting too hot, which leads to heat stroke, hypothermia, worst case, death. And these are all bad. So you want to keep body temperature managed nicely. And okay, if you have a fever due to some kind of infection, there are certain treatments you can take, which, for example, lower your temperature. That's good, but we want to understand what our brain is doing that to keep that in normal levels in the first place. Now, the brain's temperature regulation center, that resides inside the pre-optic region, a part of the hypothalamus that controls all kinds of important functions for the body. So when the pre-optic area receives signals from a mediator, let's call it prostaglandin E, PGE2, and that's produced in response to, say, an infection, this area of the brain then releases a command to raise the body temperature to help fight back against that virus, bacteria, and other disease-causing organisms. Turn up the command of the body, get it to work harder. And that is triggered as a response by this region of the brain. It releases PGE2 to, to kick the body into that higher gear. But it's not exactly clear which neurons in the priority area actually send those commands. Increase, decrease body temperature. It is a controlled thing. It's not just that it goes crazy on its own. Something is driving that. Neurons are sending those signals to release that PGE2. And so 
Professor Nakamura and others were trying to figure out exactly what of those neurons were responsible for this. Now, if you say, take a rat, for example, it likes to be in a comfortable environment around 28 degrees. So for two hours, the researchers exposed the rats to super cold, four degrees, and a room of 24 degrees, and then a hot room of 36 degrees. And what they saw was when the rats were exposed to the 36 degrees room, EP3 neurons, certain region inside the preoptic area, started to fire. But they only fired in the 36 degree of the room, the hot room, as opposed to the cold room, the 4 degree, or the normal room. So then the group narrowed in on those particular neurons, EP3, to see what was going on and why they only responded to the hot room. And so there were nerve fibers that they found that were distributed to various brain regions such as the dorsomedial hypothalamus, and this activates parts of the sympathetic nervous system. So the EP3 neurons, they were used for signal transmissions all the way to that region, other region of the brain, the DMH. And so that was pretty good evidence for the researchers to know enough to actually give it a shot to see if they could then manipulate this particular neuron. It had a connection, they saw some evidence that it was related to temperature, and they could see that it was physically wired into other parts of the body that could have information drawn to it. So then they did the manipulation part of, that, of their study. Art officially manipulated the activity using a chemogenetic approach, basically chemically activated genetic approaches. So they found that activating the neurons led to a decrease in body temperature, which makes sense, which is why they saw it active in the hot room. The brain was trying to kick in and say, hey, let's let's be colder than this because it's crazy hot outside. And that's what they saw when they activated these genes. They could see a drop in the body temperature. But if you suppressed that neuron, well, then actually you would see a rise in body temperature. So it's shown then pretty strongly that these EP3 neurons are the ones that are playing a key role in regulating body temperature by releasing GABA signals to various regions of the brain to control various sympathetic responses. So the EP3 neurons in the preoptic area can re regulate and precisely manage and fine-tune the body temperature because they're connected to the DMH neurons and, and thus the sympathetic nervous system. If you were in a hot environment, you get signals augmented and passed along to these sympathetic nervous system and get increased blood flows in the skin and you want to facilitate the radiation or pushing out of the body's heat to prevent heat stroke. In a cold environment, you pretty much want the opposite. You want the signals to the sympathetic nervous system reduced when you want to promote heat production in the certain tissue regions of the body to prevent hypothermia. And you can see that it would be a similar thing in time, say, at the time of infection. PGU2 wants you want to release that, and EP3 neurons do their job to suppress their activity further and manage the temperature as you go through the, the fever response. So the connection between this particular neuron in the preoptic area and the rest of the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system in particular, is key for managing and regulating the body's temperature. All of this goes together to help researchers really build a more finer picture about how your body controls what temperature it sets itself at and how it gets that feedback. Setting that temperature and maintaining that temperature needs to change not only throughout the day, but in response to all kinds of events. And your brain, particularly the preoptic area of the brain and the EP3 neurons, are doing that job, steering that ship, keeping the temperature on the right track. Some great research from Nagoya University, published in the journal Science Adventures, with lead author Yoshiko Nakamura. 
This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. The sense of touch and understanding how temperature is transmitted across the body and regulated helps scientists better understand the interactions between our body and the rest of the world around it. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia. <laughs>